Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a number of themes that could come out of our gospel lesson today. Certainly evangelism would be one. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We see an urgency here in getting the word out. Jesus calls upon 72 disciples and sends them out in pairs to spread the word. And the message is preached. It's not taught, but it's proclaimed. There's a sense of urgency in this. Don't, don't, you don't have to sit, slow down and, and teach this. You need to just proclaim this, that people would hear the message. The ones who don't hear it, uh, because some will accept it and some will not. He recognizes this and he says, the ones who don't hear, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. In this aspect of our lesson, we see the missionary zeal of our Lord Jesus Christ. Shouldn't we also be evangelistic? That's just one theme you could take away from the lesson. Here's another. We could focus on the power of the word. In the Old Testament days, God spoke his word through the prophets. Then Christ himself came and spoke the word directly to the people. Now he has appointed disciples to go and to carry that word out. 72 people, 36 teams of two. He's appointed them to carry this word out. He told them that his word is powerful as it comes from God the Father. They're called to be ambassadors here, to speak God's word as ambassadors. It's not their own word, but it's the word of God that they are to speak, to proclaim The one who hears you hears me, Jesus says. And the one who rejects you rejects me. And the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. This theme of the power of Christ's word is easy to focus on. We see that even the disciples were amazed because they come back saying, Lord, even the demons obey us in your name. They relish the power, you know, they, you might even say they have a little power trip. They relish this power that they have because even the demons have to listen to them when they're invoking the name of Jesus and speaking his words. I mean, demons are more powerful than humans. So, um, but even by the, by the name of Jesus Christ, even the demons are subject to these, to the disciples. So perhaps then we should focus on the power of God's word, how God's word is powerful, accomplishing what he says it will accomplish. Or maybe this is meant to draw our attention to the pastoral office. After all, how will they hear unless those are sent? And how will they hear unless they, yes, unless they are sent? After all, the pastor is called to wield God's word. In the past, it was the prophets and the disciples and Christ himself. But now it's the pastoral office. That is to wield the word of God. So maybe that's the focus of this lesson, how pastors are called to wield the word of God and to carry that to people. That is, by the way, that's what your bulletin cover shows. You look at it. What is it? It's a picture of a pastor wielding God's word. So that's the, that's the sort of direction that that went in, the focus. 
There's a number of interesting aspects to the lesson that could be a study on their own. You might have heard some of them as, we're, as I was reading the gospel lesson, where there are some things that you said, what exactly does that mean? Jesus says that he sends them out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Oh, and he tells them, make no provision for yourself. Don't, don't take an extra pair of sandals. Don't take an extra cloak. Don't take food. Don't take money. You're just going to go out there and preach. And whatever house will have you and care for you, you'll receive what they have to give you. And don't go looking around, see who has the best meal. Just whatever they feed you, that's what you take. Maybe there's a message in that. I mean, we could have a whole study in that about about how that relates to us and the application we can make from that. There's also these woes that Jesus speaks. Woe to you, Chorazin. Tyre and Sidon were like two towns that were like pagan towns. And they were known to be sinful. And what he's saying is, in the judgment, it's going to be better for Tyre and for Sidon than it is for you because I have come to your town and I have brought miracles to you and you wouldn't receive them. So it's even worse than being an unbeliever is that you received the gifts that I brought to you or you were presented with the gifts that I bring to you, but you wouldn't receive them. You could do a whole study on that. What exactly is Jesus you know, saying in, in these woes. How about where, when Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning? Oh, I mean, you could go off on a whole study on the origins of Satan and, you know, why is there evil? What, what, is, the, what is the story with Satan anyhow? We come to the last verse, though, and I want to read that, and I think that will shed some light on this entire passage. Jesus said to the disciples, nevertheless, well, now he's, he's said to them, before I read it, I'll just say, he's told them, you have power. I have given you power to tread on, the, on Satan and to tread on his demons. And they can't harm you. Harm you is a better word, I think, than hurt there. They can't harm you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this this power that you have in my name, that, that the spirits are subject to you. Don't rejoice in that. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That is the real cause for rejoicing. With this conclusion, I think everything else falls into place. As believers, we don't rejoice in the power that we wield over demons or over this world. And if we don't rejoice in God's righteous power that he gave the disciples to, to, to uh, proclaim the good news, if we don't rejoice in that righteous power from God, how much less should we rejoice in our own power, our own good works, the works of our hands, the works of our minds? How much less should we rejoice in that if we don't even rejoice in the power that God gave to the disciples to tread on demons? can't rejoice in our good works since we know they're nothing but filthy rags apart from faith. My good works are nothing if they are apart from faith. Faith is the key to it. But we rejoice rather in something that is so simple that our names are written in heaven. That's what we rejoice in, that our names are written in heaven. 
mean, you could translate this in a number of ways, too. We don't rejoice that God healed me of cancer. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. But we rejoice that our names have been written in heaven. We don't rejoice that, um, that we are no longer poor because we once were. Although maybe God does that for us, but maybe he doesn't. I mean, in this world, we will have tribulation. We will have problems. But the key of our rejoicing is that our names are written in heaven. That is so much more significant than anything else that we would experience temporally here and now. Our names are written in heaven. Perhaps some would wonder, is, is my name really written in heaven? Is my name written there? Maybe, um, you know, maybe we cry out, you know, to God to confirm that. God, show me, reveal to me that my name is written in heaven. You don't need to wonder. Yes, your name is written in heaven. It's written in God's book. You're enrolled in heaven. That's, that's the way this, this word, this phrase is intended, is that you're actually enrolled in heaven. Rejoice in that reality. We're called to enjoy that reality, to rejoice in this reality that your name is written in heaven. You've been redeemed by the shed blood of Christ. 1 Peter 2 says, He himself... Jesus bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live in righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. You've been healed of your sins by the wounds of Jesus Christ. This is the reality that we rejoice in. Our great and awesome God, maker of heaven and earth, has forgiven you for the sake of Jesus Christ. That is, this reality is then the springboard to everything else. You want to talk about evangelism? Yes. Rejoicing in the certainty of your salvation, you are free to share the good news with people that you talk to. My name is written in heaven. Not because of anything I've done, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. You want to know about why I'm happy, even though you might be looking at me saying that I'm in a sad state of affairs right now? It's because my name is written in heaven. Let me tell you about that. Yeah, this speaks to evangelism. We are free to do that evangelism. You know, and and some people are not, don't be afraid. Some people are not going to receive that message. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. That's all in God's hands. We're called to faithfulness to God. We're called to be faithful and to share the message that he has given us. Okay, and some will believe and some won't. Some you might not see that they believe, but some years hence they might reflect back on that and they might come to faith. What a joy it would be, you know, as a side note, but what a joy it would be to see, to meet someone in heaven that pats you on the back and says, thank you. That was your word. You were the one who first spoke those saving words of Christ to me. What a joy that would be. How about the power of the word? How about that aspect of this lesson? Yes, Hebrews 4. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Yeah, 
Yeah, this lesson also says that God's word is powerful. You know, that word that is used for power, it's the same word we get dynamite from. That's what his word is like. Dynamite. It's powerful. It does what he says. It accomplishes what he says. So we speak the word in truth and in love. We confess that it's God's word which crushes Satan. You're just a mouthpiece speaking God's word. But it's God's word that does the crushing of Satan. So we speak God's word. And it's God's word of uh, forgiveness that has this power. The world does not need us to condemn them. They, we have the law written on our hearts. It, it's the word of forgiveness. That is Christ's word which you take. Second Peter 1 For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Yeah, that's right. The word that we speak is not a cleverly devised myth. It is the true word of God that has power. Okay, how about the pastoral office? Yeah. Jesus said, Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So who's sending the laborers? Who's actually doing the sending part? The Lord of the harvest. God. It's God's harvest. So we pray earnestly, God, send laborers into the harvest. We Just another little sidebar here. We have been so blessed here in this small congregation to have become acquainted with a young man who has a desire, an earnest desire, to go to seminary, to be a pastor, to preach God's word. And we have held him in prayer and we have held his family in prayer. This Tuesday, he begins seminary. Praise God for answering our prayers because we've been praying, God, send this laborer into the field. And he is beginning on Tuesday. Now we have an opportunity here as a congregation to support him in that. I'm going to close here just saying simply that I hope that this encourages you to share the gospel, to share the good news with others, to invite friends to come to church to hear the good news. Why? Oh, so we can fill the pews and fill the coffers. No. God supplies everything that we need. He uses us to supply what he needs. But look, God doesn't need that. God wants to give. He has life to give in Jesus' name. Once we wrap our heads around that, what else would we do? I mean, think about, you know, your neighbor, you know, say there was a huge sale. Everything's being liquidated. It's 95% off. I mean, people are paying a nickel on the dollar for, for things right down the street. Wouldn't you mention it to your neighbor? Hey, oh, by the way, did you see? They're having a huge sale down there. I mean, and, and 
I'm sorry to make such a crass comparison, but seriously, that's just a sale. We're talking about eternal life that we have in Christ's name. How much more do you want to share that with others? Come, be fed. Be fed here at this table. Receive Christ's body and blood. Be fed his word. Be fed his word. Be... Jesus said to tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. This is the message. The kingdom of God has come near. Even now, the kingdom of God has come near to each one of us. In the word and in the sacrament, the kingdom of God comes. So share that good news. I hope this encourages you to do that. But above all else, above all else, even if you are, let's say you have a, uh, a tremendous shyness and you don't even ever talk to your neighbors. Okay, that's fine. Above all else, go home and just rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Not because of anything that you do or don't do, but because you receive with faith the word of promise that in Christ Jesus shed blood, all of your sins are forgiven. That Jesus has died. He has bled and died for your sins so that your name is written in heaven. Praise be to God. The peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.